While community college marketing might be like herding cats, the Interact Communications team of two-year experts has your back. Welcome to the Community College Marketing Masterclass, where we explore the latest conversations happening in higher ed, including the trials and triumphs in recruitment, equity, guided pathways, retention, and beyond. With more than 25 years of experience working with nearly a thousand community colleges nationwide, Interact is proud to share best practices and insights from experts around the country. Tune in now for another great discussion with your host. Welcome, everyone, to Interact's podcast. Joining me tonight is uh, Dr. Daniel Walden, who's the superintendent president of Victor Valley College in California. Um, and with me also is Dr. Diane Walliser, who is uh, works with me at Interact. And together we do a, a wide range of, of things for Interact. So, Dan, Tell me about Victor Valley and, and what's been going on with you, particularly during COVID and, and all of the changes that's been, that have been happening in education. Well, thank you, Pam. Um, it's great to be with you today, you and Diane as well, and just uh, talk about some of the good things that have happened here. You know, the pandemic was not something uh, that I learned about in uh, president's school, wherever that was. Uh, they never trained us. They, we've, we've been taught how to deal with emergencies, active shooter drills, their earthquakes. But at no point in all these many years were we trained in how to deal with the pandemic. And so everything was new. And, you know, like the rest of the world, we made it work. And it, it worked pretty well, actually. Well, it actually shows how quickly colleges can engage in change when when they need to there sometimes we feel like we're large ships and it takes every lots of time to turn the ship but but i think community colleges show how quickly the ship could be turned uh, when there's a reason to do it a powerful reason i was uh just delightfully surprised uh i didn't know how it would work it was just uh everybody stopped and turned on a dime and we went from uh, everything is normal to fully online within two weeks. Wow. It was, it was amazing. Wow. Well, you've, so you've been trying some new things as well. Like I understand you've got a connect to success center. Talk to me how that, about how that's played into the student experience and, and what, what, what led you to that? So the connect to success, just, uh, for your visual is the word connect the digit two and then success, uh, all as one word. So connect to success. That's our brand, how we brand okay. it. Uh, one of the things that led us to creating this, so it, it really is a call center in one sense of the word, but not your typical call center. It's a very specialized and highly trained call center. And so we don't really refer to it as a call center. Uh, as far as the public's concerned, it's our connect to success center. And one of the things that was a motivator was we were doing uh, all of this advertising and social media, uh, you know, most, a lot of it with you guys and interact. And we started getting all these responses and it's very interesting how we do in community colleges. We uh, will send out the mailers to the, uh, neighborhoods and we'll advertise on the radio put up the billboards do our social media thing and then to be surprised with hundreds even thousands of responses and i'm not prepared to deal with them and just sending people you know on the just well the best you can here's the, the responses just stacking up uh one of the things that's always been a um a problem for me is in my work with community colleges is how people get the runaround. And I, you know, I'm the chief executive officer uh, that's in title and function and, and in the law, that's what I am, but I have sort of changed the CEO to the chief experience officer. <laughs> I see myself as responsible for the experience of the students on the campus and that even starts with the experience that the employees have as they work here. Uh, 
I want them to have a five-star experience. I, I believe if you have employees with a five-star experience, they'll give a five-star experience to your clientele, which in this case is our students. And if you give your students a five-star experience, they're going to connect to the institution. They're going to engage with the institution and they'll be more likely to be successful. If you, you know, we like to go in those nice places where you can shop and they meet you at the door and they walk you through, you know, you can go into some stores and they'll say, well, it's on aisle 13, you know, all the way to the end down there. Well, do you know how many things are on aisle 13 sure. in, in like a big hardware store or, or whatever and to try to go then you find yourself walking down aisle 13 trying to find it and i just uh wanted us to have something where we could have immediate co connect to the success of the student you know i get frustrated with our you know just like my tv at the house the the cable company or the the satellite company or or your wi-fi company and you try to get a hold of them, and it's just through a whole loop of, you know, hit this number, then that number, and then you got to listen to this and that. And what you want to say is, you know, I'm frustrated. Things aren't working. Just let me talk to somebody. Right. And that's why we created the Connect to Success Center. It was the idea of one call, one email. That's it. You get to talk to someone, and you get a response. Well, and that's very wise because we've, over the years, for some reason, we've, we've thought that if, if, you know, you call me or you walk in or you send me an email, that as long as I answer your question quickly and kind of get you out of my way quickly, that I've taken care of you, right? You call, when does the semester start? I say, you know, August 12th and you go, okay. And I, we hang up. I don't know who you are. I can't call you back. I don't know what you need beyond that date. There's no relationship, right? Yes. You took care of me, but you haven't, you, I, we don't have a relationship. You, you, you answered a question and I can get my phone to do that. If I say, Hey Siri, which I'm not going to do because she'll talk to me. It's never good. So that idea that you really want to make this something that connects and makes it into a relationship, um, that's wise because th there's so many people that marketing creates the interest and the excitement to reach out. They reach out, they don't have any kind of connection and they go away and they go away thinking it's them, not us, when it's us, not them. And that that realizing that that was an issue, smart. And I can't help myself. So we helped you, huh? You did help me. And that was one of the big motivators. I previously served for almost two decades in the largest community college system uh, or district in the nation. And, you know, we, we're always struggling with how do you talk to a real person when you have 250,000 students and 10,000 employees? Even as an employee, it was a real challenge. And it wasn't until I got higher up in the organization and got to really know people and then thought, okay, this is how I can really get something done. Talk to this technician or talk to this person on this floor. And that was the way to get it done. But calling from the outside, uh, you, you know, just a lucky day if you can actually get through to someone or somebody picks up a phone. One of the things that we noticed was we have a one-stop center on campus and it's, it's a fabulous uh, entity. You walk in, the student comes in from off the street and we have everything there. There's someone there to help them with financial aid. There's, there's actually someone to greet them when they come through the door. It's a wonderful uh, in-person place to come and be served on the campus. We thought, well, why not do something like that digitally? Something that will work for people calling in or even if they're responding to an interact ad, uh, that they can actually call a number or send an email and get a response right away. So we, you know, in the pandemic thing, we created a virtual one stock because we had to close down our campus. So we had this virtual thing going on where we had people sitting waiting to answer the phones, but not really 
trained specifically to do that, but providing the services, it was, it was just as a pivot we had to do, you know, for the time made it necessary. Right. But the idea here was, is that we create a one call, one email place that is the primary point of contact for the campus. Anyone calling in from the outside, you could call in. You're given an option right up front. If you know the extension, you can dial it. Uh, if you want to go through a directory, you could do that. Otherwise, you just wait on the line and you get a live person. So it's, it was an entire office. We found a location on campus. I told our uh, staff that was putting this together, I said, I want you to find a room with a nice view, uh, something that we can create that put the best furniture in there, make it a bright, warm place to work. It won't have public access, but I want the people in the room to be happy to be there. And then, and I want a friendly, warm workspace. And so they found this room and they, we fully, uh, you know, we equipped it and then we hired all brand new people. None of our existing employees were put in this call center. We hired two supervisors and then we've hired since, uh, I believe, uh, six technicians and maybe planning to hire more. My point is, however many we need to hire to handle the workload, that's what we'll do. And so we have done that and it's just fantastic. I know that we opened last, this may be jumping ahead to one of your questions, but we opened last, uh, started taking calls the end of November in 2021. And as of the beginning of March, first part of March, we had answered over 10,000 phone calls and 9,000 of those were resolved the very first time. There was a 90% success rate that students did not have to call back a second time to have their issue resolved. And sometimes uh, it was through a warm transfer to the appropriate department. And what we mean by that is we don't just transfer them. We let the technician get the right person on the phone. And then while the person is on the phone, then the technician allows that person to help that student. In our survey data that we've been, we constantly give this out. It goes out with every one of the calls that comes in. Uh, we've had a, the technician resolved the issue 100% response rate. Wow. 100% wow. have, have said of the students said, or the caller said the technician resolved my issue. 90% said the technician was very helpful. 85% said the technician was courteous. 55% said they felt more connected as a result of their interaction with Connect to Success. And then wrote things like overall great experience with very little, very little waiting. My technician was excellent, et cetera. There is a, um, a feature on there that if the student or the caller uh, doesn't want to wait, they can get a callback. Uh, and our callbacks happen within 15 minutes. Wow. Nobody ever has to wait over 15 minutes for a callback. Uh, or you can just wait on the line uh, and it'll tell you, you know, it gives you the information where you are. The system is all uh, wired up. It's got a reporting system so that Every call opens a ticket. Every email opens a ticket. And that ticket stays open until the call, the caller is satisfied. So you can track it too. Exactly. You never lose it. You never lose and it. And even if we transfer, do that transfer to a manager to get something resolved, uh, as far as let's say it's a deep financial, complicated financial aid issue. And it goes over to the manager for financial aid. It doesn't go to a technician. It goes to the manager who assigns that. Our supervisors in the Connect to Success Center monitor those tickets so that that uh, bin stays empty. They don't allow those to sit around. And they, they make the right calls and say that's there. The, the student's waiting. And uh, it's really been an amazing thing that's happened And just talking about being a caring campus to make people feel like, wow, this place cares about me. That's what this whole Connect to Success Center is. And we've set it up so that when we get responses from our, say, uh, say our Interact uh, 
media advertisements, right? So right. we use you guys and you're great about, you know, getting responses for us. We, we've been really excited uh, to find out, you know, how well we've done with this social media. When the response comes in, sometimes the technician, there's a group of, they kind of rotate on and off to make their day a little more spiced up. So they're not just sitting on the phone all day. So they, they'll go over and they will uh, respond to these inquiries. If somebody indicated that they would like a response, they get a call back or they get an email. Uh, and so we're following that through. We have a team of people assisting right now because we are still in the early stages, right? We've, our first phase was let's make sure the calls get answered and that that all works. And then there's these other phases where we want to go later and we can get more into that later on if you want. But uh, one of those is that this center is able to do all the response for any inquiry into the campus. Wow. Whether it you comes know. through email or, or whether it comes through uh, somebody saw the billboard, they called the number or they, whatever they did. You know, you're, you're offering national quality response at a college level, which you, you know, I've been doing this a while and I don't hear that very often, right? It, it's normally, let me, you know, I worked with a college one time that literally would let their phone box fill up before they would start answering the calls. Or they'd say, we're going to respond to all of our emails on Friday because we don't break up our work day. And they, I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to manage the load. But in doing that, they're basically putting off students and saying, you're not important enough to me to actually respond to you within, within a day or the same, you know, the same morning or afternoon. And, and that's a message that, that, my God, we don't want to send to students who are, who are vulnerable and, and are wondering if college is for them. If we don't treat them like, like they matter to us, we don't matter to them. So you know, you're doing the kind of thing I expect when I phone Delta, the health helpline on Delta, you know, yeah. do you want to be called back? We'll call you back in X number of minutes. Um, that's phenomenal. So I've um, personally have set up two or th three one-stop centers at, in, my, in my career and never have we achieved the success that you're talking about. It was all aspirational. And so I really have to commend you at what you've accomplished in such a short period of time. So for other leaders out there that are want and need to do what you're doing, what advice would you give them? I mean, this, you know, did you walk in the office one day and say, we're going to have a connect to success center. Talk about the evolution and how you brought your team along and how you got this off to such a successful start. Well, the first thing is um, I made it my priority. So what I said is, okay, I'm president of the college. I have a whole operation going. We have, a, you know, these are current numbers. Prior to COVID, we had over 18,000 students annually. Now we're down to about 15,000, but we're working our way back up. And we're one of the few colleges in California community colleges that actually is growing this year. Most are, are already wow. down, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was the idea that I was going to make that happen. And I was going to see that the financial resources were committed to it so that it did happen. I mean, when you talk about hiring this many people and opening a new center, it was no small financial commitment, but you have to think about what it is that we'll stop doing. So we can start doing what's really going to make a difference. People are always saying, give me more money. I'll give you a better service. Well, what about the things we're doing? Do we really need all these other things going on and putting money in these places? Why not put money where it's really going to make a difference? And one of the things that I think we need to know about one-stop centers, you know, those people are in there working and they're working hard. You're a financial aid technician. You've got a whole stack of, of student stuff you're processing, trying to get through, working through all the bugs, the mistakes they made when they were filling out the forms and so on. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there and you get a cold call from the outside. Well, you got this big stack of stuff or maybe another student sitting across the desk. And you, so you pick up the cold call. And 
I think it was you guys that did some of the research on this that came back with this information that most people were getting referred. Go look at the website. And it was really, I'm so busy. I'm trying to do this. It's important what I've got to do. And you're calling me from the outside and this is available on the website. So they're just pushing people off to go try to search through a website. And this was one of the things that really was a motivator. It was that uh, in creating this Connect to Success Center, I thought, what a service we can provide our own personnel if they don't have to take cold calls. They can do what it is that they're assigned to do. And then when there's a real problem, you give it to the manager and the manager says, I need you to help student X here with this issue. Then they can do that. It's not a call coming off the street in the middle of a busy day. That's what the call center is for. Connect to Success takes care of all that. Imagine the burden that takes off of all the people in the one-stop center. They don't have to take cold calls from the outside. That most of those things are handled, as we said, 90% of 10,000 calls were handled at that very first level. Normally, those would have been going to the the one-stop. Somebody in the one-stop who's already busy, who's already overloaded. And if you talk to them, they say they're already overworked. So here they are, they are feeling this way and having to field all these calls. And what happens? They don't pick up. Are they just, you know, refer it quickly to the website or you need to be calling another office on campus and students get the runaround. When I first became president here, I think it was in my first address. I started in January of 2019. And so my first address to the full college was in February. And I asked the question, I said, what would happen at this college if not one student was ever given the runaround? If every student who walked on this campus or inquired at this campus did not get a runaround, but they actually got served. Think about it as an employee. What if you, as an employee needing to know something, never got the runaround? How would you feel about working here? And from the beginning, that was the tone that I was trying to set for the college. Because I think, actually, as president, one of your jobs is to set the tone. So I was doing it by in my very first address where I had all the employees there. I only get them twice a year, so I try to be careful what I say, even though we do. <laughs> I do presence chats all the time on Zoom, but I don't get, you know, I may have 150 and on a real, if it was a real hot issue, maybe 250, but we've got 833 employees. So I get twice a year that I get to talk to all of them. And that's the tone I tried to set. And that's what we've followed through with uh, in really trying to develop a caring campus. I think what's fabulous is that you were able to hire new people because the biggest mistake, and I made the same mistake because of budgetary reasons, is I moved operation people into the contact center or the, the, the one stop. It doesn't work because they're not, they're good processors. They may not be good people person. So how did you you know, it sounds like you made the right move and getting the right people in the right places and getting that all started in a positive way. So a little dirty laundry. So we had, uh, we had a help center on campus and a help desk is what it was called. And it had, I want to say four or five people working in it, but then they all, we offered a supplemental retirement package. And so all but two of them left. Well, then I was told that two people, uh, that, the, that, that these two people were really good. So I said, okay, well, we'll hire four technicians instead of six, and we will uh, put these two people over there if you're telling me they're good. Well, they go over there, and within a week, one of them is calling the union and saying, oh, you know, we're really duplicating what they're doing over here, and this isn't really in our job description, and da-da-da-da. When I found that out, I found that out in the morning. I said, get those two people put them back over at the help desk and somebody in IT can figure out what they can need to be doing, but I want them out of there today. I did not leave that in there for one more day. And I moved them out 
I didn't advertise it, but I moved them out and said, oh, you know what? Really, that was a mistake. You're needed over here. That's how we saved face with them and their union. But I did not want them poisoning uh, this new crew. By the way, as president, I usually only interview in final interviews, um, you know, top level uh, supervisors and uh, executives. But what I said is I want to be the final interviewer for every person we hire in that Connect to Success Center. So I actually did all the final interviews myself. I mean, I had somebody with me, but I conducted those interviews and I made, the, I said, I'm not hiring anyone that I'm not excited about. If they don't make me feel like I want to jump up and dance around the room, then they're not, I'm not picking them for this job because they got to love people or they're not going to work in this call center. And so that was, I mean, I just put the biggest priority on it, you know, Anytime you want to do something, you got to find somebody who will feed the baby. Well, I decided that I was going to feed this baby. And in fact, I have it, it reports to a vice president, but I have, and that vice president is now leaving retirement. And I'm not going to replace that position for about six months. So during that six months, the call, the connect to success supervisors are going to report directly to me. I'm not handing them off. I'm not throwing them around campus where, oh, you're here today and you'll be over there tomorrow. And when I replace this, I'm going to do a reorg. And when I do the replacement, uh, I'm going to have a special assistant to the president who is a vice president of innovation and special assistant to the president. And that's the person that this center will report to. And that person's job will be to accomplish my agenda as president on the campus. You know, it's not about managing the workload. It's about managing the student experience and the potential student experience. And if you begin with, how can I manage my workload instead of how can I make this person realize that we are here for them and we're going to support them every step of the way? It's not that those can't exist, but they normally don't. You have to begin with, I work for students and I want them here and to know that I'm all in on their success. And that, that's a big difference. And it's, you know, clearly, clearly you've been able to launch this and pull it and, and do it in a very short period of time. Thank goodness, because the, the, you know, you're, you're in the minority in terms of being able to, to be in a, a growing situation in California. So many are dealing with still with double digit um, downturns in their student enrollment. And this clearly is a good part of your success. And uh, I, I got to say, I, as CEO of Interact, I'm very proud that we've been able to do the kind of um, media buying, media support that's driving people to your front door to give you a problem, a good problem to solve. You know, it's good. You've, you're, you have the issue everybody wishes they have, but the only reason you have that is that you went through and solved, you know, I hate driving people to a shut door. And so many times when we do very good marketing, I feel like I'm driving people to a shut door. And at the end of it, um, folks that aren't taken care of are going to say, I'm not college material. Clearly I can't figure out how to get into this college. Um, and you've taken the tack that's just not going to happen here. Um, that's unusual. So Dan, have you been able to um, notice any um, improvement in your applicant conversion rates? So, you know, it's so new that we haven't had, we don't have the data yet uh, to actually tell you what that is, but we're, we are working on that. One of our challenges actually um has been our uh, reporting system. I don't want to use the name on the podcast, but we have a particular reporting system that uh, somehow it's not working smoothly. The data is somehow skewed, and so we're not re really able to rely on it the way it's in, the way it's supposed to work. Is I'm supposed to get a report every month that's full of all the analytics that tells me every single thing, you know about how many calls came in, how many, how quickly were they answered, how many were resolved, how many were, what happened to the tickets and so on and so forth. And so in, in lieu of that, while we're trying, and we are working on that issue, but while we're doing that, in order to get data, we're using it, we're using sort of a, 
a multi-tiered data analysis where we're looking using the data from our ticketing system in conjunction in conjunction with data from our user experience surveys and that's how um we're result we're getting the data that we're making decisions on now so we know how well it's doing while we work on a permanent solution with our uh our analytic software so the enrollment numbers though kind of are a positive indicator that something good is going on though so you're getting some good indicators that you're you're going to see some positive numbers and it looks like that we're growing six percent this year which just just going down the hill here from the high desert where we are uh, the very first community college district you run into when you get the bottom of the hill uh the chancellor there told me that it's a multi-college district that they're down another 15 percent this year and then when you move one district over that has three colleges in it they're down one of the presidents told me she's down 50 percent from her pre-covid enrollment and so that every college down there is down until you get probably 45 miles away and then it may be not so bad but uh, I think the very fact that we are up 6% this year, it's pretty amazing. Yes. We're not hearing and, stories like this. Let's just say that. And we have, so I'm, I'm all like, just wait and see, because what we have been wor working on since December has nothing to do with this year. We've been working. I've had a team of people working intensely from last December, uh, all on the fall of 2022 and that's where i'm really saying just wait and see because we think it's going to really happen this coming fall and we're going to really ring some bells in regard to how you can uh get back numbers i don't know that we'll get back the students we lost because i believe most of them went on to do whatever else they're going to do in life but we we can get these numbers back in other ways one of the things for the future of this program, uh, this Connect to Success Center, is, you know, we, we want it to become the hub for the whole virtual digital matriculation of students into the campus. We're not going to take away the face-to-face. -face. One stop's still there. But they're free to really help people that walk in the door without having to go through the, the virtual elements like phones and and uh, email and so on. We want this Connected Success Center to be the central hub for the for that part of it, the digital matriculation, to house everything that incoming or prospective students need with Connected Success to successfully matriculate into the campus. The goal is to become the central hub by providing wraparound support and truly embodying the caring campus so that it isn't just one call, one email, but it's one call is all. Yeah. And to do that, one of the things we expect to see is a whole nother division of this connected success that focuses just on current or returning students and their needs so that you desire to be the, we want to be the primary source for information that allows those current and returning students. Now, right now we're serving everyone, but the focus has really been on new students and to have a whole nother branch that specifically is dedicated to returning students, making sure they're aware that they can access the campus resources, that they get the nudges that they need. Uh, you know, did you know that you just need two more classes to actually graduate or that kind of thing? So where we've had just technicians, I can see us move, actually hiring counselors that work just in this digital environment, hiring financial aid people that work just in the digital environment. So that this is a, so you have this total wraparound thing going on. And you know what? I'll knock out as many walls as I need to knock out and hire as many people as we need to hire because I actually am crazy enough to think this will work. And it will more than pay for itself. You are on your way. I'm going to get geeky on you though here. Do you, are you using a knowledge base or what's behind all of this that helps your 
staff understand all the answers to the questions or how are you, what's your infrastructure behind the support for your, your technicians? So we hired these two supervisors last spring. So like way before the call center ever opened. And the first thing they did was to develop uh, training manuals. And I hired some pretty qualified people. Uh, one of the supervisors was the uh, special assistant to the CEO of AT&T and handled those highest level complaints that, that get past everybody else. And finally, they end up on the CEO's desk because they're going to court or they're going to do something. And she was the person that handled that. I was able to somehow snag her out of the waters and pull her in here and her. And then we hired another young lady that, um, you know, that just had all the qualities and they have, they have just been the perfect two people to get in and work together. They complement one another. They get along, they built this whole thing together. And so what they did is they created the training manuals. And then over time there, everyone is, everyone's, um, knowledge base is increasing so that they're learning a little more about financial aid, a little more about, I mean, they're not, they're not at this level. They're not handling the deep issues of financial aid. That's going to go over to the one stop and, and be assigned to a manager who'll give it to a technician or handle it himself or herself. So, but, but as it's morphing they're, they're these, these people are really getting smart. They know, more, they know more about the college than I do. I'll tell you that. If I really need to know something, I'm going to call the Connect the Success Center. Yeah, you just call them. Yeah, and you know, the, the fact that you brought them in, not only the, the, the staff who are the technicians, but the supervisors, meaning they knew they had to, they, as they looked at the problem, they said, what do I need to know to answer the, the questions and to train people? Um, and that means they got the knowledge based on being an outsider as opposed to when insiders do this frequently, they either dive too deep or they think it's very clear because I developed this um, and it isn't clear because you know you, you understand it because this is your area, but it, it, other people, as you try to explain it, it's not clear to them, but with all of these folks coming in from the outside, they brought the same, they brought a willingness to, to understand it, but they also brought the question, the right questions that are being asked by new students coming in. So it's, it's not, you know, I've talked to financial aid folks and, and, and counselors, and sometimes you ask them what you think is a simple question and they deep dive to the bottom of the Mariana trench in terms of giving you such detailed information that not only is it too much, but it didn't answer my question because they know it so well, it's, it's not clear in, in many ways. So bringing these folks in, it means that you built the system around, um, not from an insider point of view, but from the outsider, what you need to know to help them point of view. And that's, that's brilliant. That's when, you put in, when you put insiders in, and we're, we're all like this, I'm like this too. Well, we've always done it this way. Mm -hmm. or we tried that before you know, <laughs> i didn't have to hear that i've not heard that one time from this group maybe because they'd never tried it before because they weren't here before the other thing that i did i hired only people with an entrepreneurial mindset i wasn't interested in hiring employees when i hired these people in this center i wanted to hire people who come to work like an entrepreneur, like this is my thing. How can I make this better? Because this thing is depending on me and this is my shop and I own it and empower them to do that. And so I'll, I ask every single one of them in their final interviews, I said, um, what do you want to be doing? I first of all asked them, what would I as president say about you in five years? And then that got some really good responses on that. But then I said, what do you see yourself doing? Because they were mostly younger people, uh, not real young, but, but younger in their 20s or maybe early 30s. And I said, so what do you want to be doing like 10 years from now? They all, none of them wanted to still be in the call center. 
And I made sure that I didn't hire anyone who saw themselves as someone sitting, just answering calls. They want to go somewhere in the institution. These people are going to feed other positions as I get openings at higher level. And this entrepreneurial mindset that they're allowed to develop over here is going to come into the, and infiltrate the campus as these people get promoted. And I will always be hiring. I'm telling you, for as long as I'm president, I will hire every new person that goes into that Connect to Success Center. Dan, what do you think the Connect to Success Center means for your students, especially low-income, first-gen students? You must have serve a very diverse population. And those are the ones that get really, really stopped out by all the barriers. So this must, what's your thoughts on how that will help them? So this whole thing is equity driven. It's all about giving everyone an equal bite at the apple. Whether you're short or tall, somehow you're going to get the same bite of the apple. It's not just the giraffes that are going to get this bite of the apple. We're going to create a ladder or whatever we need to do so that you get high enough on the tree that you get to bite the apple. And that to me, this whole thing is about equity. This is about diversity. It's about equity. It's about inclusion. It's about giving the people who normally get the leftovers to give them as if they were walking into Nordstrom and maybe they never buy anything in there, but they get to go in there and you get anything in the store that anybody else can get. You're going to get the first class treatment, just like somebody with money or somebody with privilege or somebody who knows a board member or whatever. You don't have to know a board member to get treated the five-star experience at this college. You're going to get it at this center because we're with programming. And you know what? I called over there the other day. I had a vice president with me. I said, let's call the center. Let's see what kind of response we get. (laughs) (laughs) Your own marketing research. I have a president friend and I'm thinking about doing this. He's in Texas, but he, he hires 20 student shoppers every year and he doesn't tell anybody who they are. So not even his own, you know, confidential group at the college, the vice presidents and so on do not know who these shoppers are and they're out there. He meets with them three times in the year and they give him feedback on their experience on the campus. And he's one of these guys, they go around, the whole college goes around saying, I love you. So that's his, his mantra is, I love you. If you, if if you love people, you give them, you know, you're only interested in the things that's going to lift them up and help them in life. And if they feel loved, they'll, they won't leave, they'll finish. So that's just, is just another way of saying, I love you. Because we're doing, you know, the work of love is the effort of reaching out and doing something about what you say you feel, which is love. Are you willing to do the work of love? Otherwise it's not really love. That's right. You know what? I was wrong. You're not national class. You're world-class. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, one, the, the commitment it takes for you to take that on because a lot of presidents will assign it to somebody and, and say, you know, go do it. And this shows what presidential focus can do first of all and having and having a real focus on caring about students and showing that you care about students um because we you're right we use caring but we frequently don't say love and um that's uh, that is actually the difference between a okay experience a good experience and a great one is how much i feel the love from the college showing me that i matter to them that's that's world-class stuff. Well, we're building the Caring Campus. Uh, it is not built, but we're building it. And I just think that it will, uh, over time, we will, you know, they. I think Peter Drucker said something like that, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this, that culture eats strategy for lunch or breakfast, whichever meal you're having. Yep. Uh, if you don't, and culture doesn't change overnight. 
culture changes when you go in and you stay and you keep doing the right things, saying the right things. And you get about 15 to 20% of the people with you that are passionate about what you're doing. And when that happens, you know, you're on your way because there's about 60% out there. They're just waiting on somebody to, to nudge them. You got the, uh, the other opposite end, the 15, 20% on the other end that are the naysayers and they want to kill everything that happens and they gather around the water coolers, but you get momentum like that and get the 60% with the 20% in the, in the early part, the passionate people, the change agents, and then you've got 80% of your institution moving in the right direction and the others, you'll, they'll either just go off and crawl in a hole or they might even change their mind or they'll retire or do something else. But you did, but to make that happen, it takes time. People got to know that you're here long enough uh, that, that it's not going to change. I had someone just recently been here for many, many years come and tell me I retired. I'm leaving because I don't like the direction of the colleges is going in. And, you know, he's failing 55% of his students has been doing that for years like that. That's okay to fail, to only have 45% exceed. That's not okay. I'm not, I've not been personally on him, but what he's feeling is the pressure of everything that's happening around him. Cause we're, we're trying to go after this Aspen prize to be the number one community college in the nation, be recognized as such, you know, our aspirational statement is, and it, this is in our educational master plan that we are the best at what we do. And because we are the best at what we do, we are also recognized for it. And so if you're really good at it, somebody's going to recognize you. Well, that journey alone calls everybody to a higher, to a higher level of excellence. You know, the, the, um, a million years ago, I wrote a speech for my president and um, the, I learned that what the word mediocrity stands for. Mediocrity comes from the word mediocris, which is the midpoint in a journey. And it's settling. You're no longer uncomfortable and you're not there, but you're willing to settle. And what you're doing is saying, we, we're never going to settle. We're going to be, we're going, we're, we're heading for the best that we can do. And, and anything less than that is not okay. And, um, and you're right. The people who aren't willing to give that are, will sort themselves out. They'll, they'll decide they don't want to make the effort or, or they won't, this isn't the commitment they're willing to make. And that's okay, that this is a place where the students deserve our best. So for you guys to, to call out that, that you're going to be the best at what you do, that that's what you are, that's, that's what the students deserve. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Don't the students deserve that? I mean, if, um, you know, some of these colleges that have been winning this Aspen prize, they're just little podunk places. I mean, they're out there in the middle of nowhere. One of them, not far from where I grew up in West Texas, is Odessa, Texas, uh, Odessa College. And hey, we got mountains around us here. Odessa has nothing around it except oil wells, and it smells like oil wells. And yet here they are, a college in Texas who gets from their feeder high schools, the lowest performing students in the entire state. And they turn things around where this legislature was going to close the college down. And in within six years, they're recognized as one of the top Aspen colleges and Aspen telling them just last year, you have the highest success rates of any community college in the United States. How do you take the poet, lowest performing high school students and make them the highest performing college students. How do you do that? Well, you, you focus on the data and you focus on service and cohorts, all of those. And I know good news or bad news. Uh, we were, we've been the agency of record uh, in the past for Odessa. Uh, and we were there when they were going to be defunded. Um, and we worked through that piece and we were there when they passed their bond to allow them to do, to build the kind of buildings, the, 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 uh, the kind of buildings and space they needed to be able to do those things. And I, I, 
you know, I know the president and and that demand for success, that that we're not going to settle for second tier. Um, I I will tell you, I was in the audience when he told he told the uh, the entire population of his campus. Uh, I hear a lot of you talking about what you what you have to do. We have to do this. We have to do that. He said, I don't want to hear it. I want to hear I get to do this. I get to do that because the students deserve us in embracing them and being excited about the work we get to do for them. And it's not I have to. It's a I'm honored to do this. And um, that was part of their their shift. And that that presidential focus, he had it. And clearly you do, too, which is. It's uh, it's fun to see what you're doing, and um, I'll just say I'm we're we're all honored that we are a part of being able to drive people to your front door, um, and know that they're going to be taken care of, um, in in the way that they deserve. That's 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 soul food for for those of us here. Well, I like coming to work feeling like I'm making a difference. Yeah. If I can no longer do that, then I'll ride off into the sunset. But coming to work, knowing that you're making a difference and students are going to be walking across that stage in June because you helped make that possible for them. It makes it, you know, it's like they say, you do something you love and you never work a day in your life. I think we're lucky. That's this is what we do. This is what you do. Um, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. And um I'm, I have no doubt you're going to get a few phone calls from presidents saying, help me, help me, um, because what you're doing is the stuff that so many try and so few succeed at. I'm happy to share whatever that we have done with anyone else, because I didn't get here without learning from others. So um, thank you. I'd be happy to do it. Thank you, Dan. It's been our thank pleasure. You. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Diane. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Community College Marketing Masterclass podcast hosted by Interact's team of two-year college experts. For more community college resources, insights, and downloads, including the transcript of today's show, visit interactcom.com. That's interactcom.com. And don't forget to follow Interact on social media and subscribe to this podcast to keep your finger on the pulse of higher ed trends. That's all for today. Good luck herding cats out there. And we'll catch you next time.